Praise God. I want to, we're going to, we're starting today on uh, our topic, mental wholeness. How many believe that we need some mental wholeness in our nation today? Amen. We got, we got a lot of instability. My goodness, we got a lot of instability. And I'm going to address that today, and we're going to begin to understand why that we have so much mental instability in our nation today. It's a, uh, it's a plague. It's causing us a whole lot of problems, and it's going to continue to cause us a lot of problems. And it's something that, that our government refuses to admit or address. And, uh, of course, they have their own agendas you know, our, mo most of our government today, I'm just going to be playing with you, most of them are not out for our good. They are out for their good. They're, they're work, they all work for the same paycheck, paid by the same people behind the scenes. So we as Americans need to just start standing up for values again and, and, and uh, declaring what we are, who we are. Amen. Praise God. We've we got to stop believing what, these, what, what people say about this stuff, you know, uh, President Obama said for eight years that this is no longer a Christian nation, and he was doing exactly what I'm going to be preaching about today. He was establishing a value. By repeatedly saying that, he was trying to establish or tear down a value and implement another value. Thankfully, this nation stood up and said, excuse me, I think we still are. And so we're, we're, in, a, we're in a moral battle right now. It's not a political battle. It's a moral battle. It's all about what values that we're going to have. What truths and values are we going to build on? And those are, that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Mental wholeness is determined by the foundational truths and values that you embrace. There can be a lot of other things going on, but foundational truths and values will cause you to be established and will help direct your path, even in the, even in the face of all kinds of adversity. Read this with me, Romans 12 and 2. And do not be, be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Our declaration, I yield my mind to the Holy Spirit and to the Word of God. My mind is being renewed, transformed, renewed, and healed, made whole. I receive the mind of Christ as the authority in my life. I am what the Word says I am. I have what the Word says I have. And I can do what the Word says I can do. Amen. Praise God. I should have put these on before I started reading. I want us, I want us to look in our, our uh, foundational verse, uh, Romans 12 and 2. It says, And be not conformed to this world. The first verse says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. But then he, in the second verse, he says, and be not conformed to this world. Conform means to conduct yourself in the manner of. To conduct yourself in the manner of. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. The word transformed, I didn't really look up the, the in-depth meanings of it, but it means, it means to be changed into something different. 
transformed, changed your form, changed your, uh, how you do, changed what you are, what you say, what you think, and to be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. I remember uh, Pastor Rob preaching this message several years ago, and he preached on the three steps of the will of God, moving from the good to the acceptable to the perfect will of God. He, he preached it as a, as a journey. You start out with the good will of God, and then you learn what the acceptable will of God, what is more acceptable to God, and then you begin to discover the perfect will of God for your life and, and what you should, should be. So be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. If you do not have stability in your life, how are you going to prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God? If we constantly vacillate between beliefs and thoughts and understanding and one day, one day we're confessing one thing, the next day we're confessing something else, there's, there, that's what our life is going to be like. It's going to be this turmoil that has no stability and has no foundation. I want you to look with me this morning. Let me go a little deeper in this. The word mind, you know, we've got a lot of different definitions, a lot of thoughts of what, what the word mind is. But in this verse, in Romans chapter uh, 12 and verse 2, uh, the word mind here is N-O-U-S. I don't exactly know how to pronounce that. But it's, it's spelled N-O-U-S in the Greek. And it talks about renewing of your mind, the seat of reflective consciousness, comprising the faculties of perception and understanding and those of feeling, judging, and determining. So the mind is a place where you establish your perception, your understanding, where you judge things, what, what, when, what you declare to be right and wrong. So that takes place in the mind. The mind, as I taught uh, back last year, we were talking about the mind. And I'm not going to get quite into as much neuroscience uh, in this aspect. But the mind and the brain are separate things. The brain is the hardwired part of your of your body that the impulses run through but your mind is a spiritual entity that is separate from the brain the mind is what determines what you develop see your brain can be developed your brain can grow your brain can be changed you can you can have your brain damaged and if you know how to do it you can actually, different parts of your brain will actually pick up the motor skills and things that you need and will start functioning and you can recover. We just don't know enough about that. Sister, uh, uh, I can't think of her name right now, but a book I was reading, a lady that has spent 38 years developing uh, this in neuroscience, studying neuroscience, has many degrees, and she has studied this from a biblical God perspective and she is transforming and changing neuroscience as we know it. Neuroscience for years has said the brain is fixed and can never be changed. 
That's where all the drugs came from, the, uh, the, the drugs that alter your mind or try to change your mind through drugs. And all it does is numb and, and confuse and change your personality and, and things like that. But the brain can be changed. She has proven that the brain can change, it can grow, and it can be retrained. You can actually develop new pathways in your brain for function. That's how you learn things. I mean, if you practice them over and over and over and over, your brain develops a whole new system in which to run that through. If, if you want to get good at something, you have to practice it over and over and over until your whole being accepts that practice and that discipline and where it becomes just simply a reaction. You don't have to think about it. It's just reaction. Amen hand-eye coordination, all these kind of things. I, I know a little bit about that because I know that, that God can do that. Nine years ago, I lost a lot of that stuff, but God has helped me to rebuild and to renew my mind. It's grown back. Amen. My motor skills have grown back. My, my uh, reflexes has grown back. I, I, I don't stumble as much as I used to. There for a while, I fell all the time because my, my legs didn't, been, didn't operate like I thought. My brain would be telling my, my feet to walk up steps, and I'd start walking up steps, and, and one of my feet wouldn't raise right. And next thing I know, I'd be stumbling up the steps. And, and I fell a lot, and I, couldn't, I didn't have a lot of coordination in my hands. When I finally went back to work after about a year, I dropped everything. I would be working and trying to, trying to work, and things would fall out of my hands, and it's like I had no control over it. it would, they would just, my hands would just let go, and I don't know how many tools I dropped in the lake just simply because I'd be working. Next thing I know, they'd be dropping out of my hands, and it's like, ah, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> you're, not, you're not listening. But as I continued to force myself to do that over and over and over and work and declare the healing power of God over my mind and, and, and believe in the, in the power of God to restore, those, those, those reflexes and that coordination came back. And now I, I can thankfully say that I, I'm, I'm not as clumsy as I was, and I don't trip as much as I used to, and my hands work good. Matter of fact, the other day, I dropped something. Now, th this, this amazed me, and I don't know that I'll ever be do it, able to do it again, but I was working on a receptacle on a dock, and the water, you know, you, there, it's on the uprights, and I was, I was putting that in, and I dropped a piece. And without even thinking, I dropped down and caught it before it went in the water. And then I stood there looking at it thinking, that just happened. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's pretty fast. I mean, when something is dropping, it really picks up a lot of speed. If you don't believe that, jump off a house and see how much speed you pick up time you hit the ground. <laughs> you really pick up a lot of speed. And I, <laughs> I dropped that. I dropped it, and without even thinking, I dropped it, and I dropped to my knees and caught it before it went in the water. Couldn't have done that if there hadn't something hadn't rebuilt and recovered. You understand what I'm talking about? And so the mind is the the word mind here means that it is the seat of reflective consciousness, comprising the faculties and perceptions and understanding of 
uh, and those of feelings, judging, and determining. So this is where you determine. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, turn there with me real fast. They'll put it up on the screen if you don't get there fast enough. Ephesians chapter 1, verses uh, 1 and 2. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, just as the others. Now, the word mind here is totally different. It, it is uh, it's spelled D-I-A-N-O-I-A. I wish I could pronounce these Greek words a, a, in a good way, but I, I'm just going to spell them out for you. And it, it, it implies an evil significance, a consciousness characterized by a perverted moral impulse. So we're talking about the mind being renewed, the place where determining judgment and all this stuff takes place. But now he's talking about the mind being under the influence of an evil impulse, having a perverted impulse, which causes our actions to be that which is not right. It's an impulse. Today, people are being driven by impulses, and they, they haven't been taught to discipline themselves. They just simply go by their impulses. And that's one of the reasons we're having so much in, mental instability today is because we have erased the foundational truths and values from people's lives where now they don't have anything to, to battle these evil impulses with, these perverted impulses, and they're not able to battle these things. Why? Because they haven't established foundational truth. Foundational truth will guard you from things that aren't right and will guard your life, and it'll, it'll cause your mind to be established and you'll be able to think clearer and not be so confused by things. I mean, there is so much confusion today. You know, we, we, we have gone to the place where now some, some of the liberal whoever say that there's hundreds of different genders. I, I, I can't wrap my mind around this. I don't understand the confusion. You know, I can't wrap my mind around this. They want to be in control of our country, and they can't even figure out what bathroom to go to. And they're wanting to control our country. They don't know if they're male or female, and yet they're wanting to be in charge of our country. You understand what I'm talking about? There's no absolute truth. Matter of fact, several years ago, they started in our schools trying to erase absolute truth. There are absolute truths. I don't care what you do, there are absolute truths. I could stand here and tell you that if you run your head into that wall, it's going to hurt. 
If you don't believe in absolute truth, you're going to run your head in that wall and then try to blame somebody else for it. That shouldn't have been able to happen. Somebody done me wrong. Somebody should have moved the wall. I should be able to do whatever I want to without consequences. This is ruining our nation. It's ruining our churches. It's ruining us as a people. It's causing us to be so mentally unstable that we can't decide what actually we should be. Amen. The, in the, in the Bible, Old Testament, it says, I'm trying to think where, where it is. I can't think of it right now. It's, I believe it's in Proverbs, but it says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh in his heart, so he's... So if you don't know what you are, how are you going to conduct yourself in that manner? Okay? The word repent actually means to change your mind. To change your mind. You repent of something, it means that you change your mind and your conduct is supposed to follow the changing of your mind. Okay, so you don't do that anymore. You've repented of it. You don't do that anymore because you've changed your mind, which changes your behavior. Okay, so when we when we understand the the mind, when we understand the impulses of the mind, there are all kinds of impulses. Everybody has feelings that aren't right. Everybody has impulses that aren't right. Everybody struggles with thoughts that, that shouldn't be in our head, but they're in there and they bounce around. The only way that you can control that, the only way you can have any mental stability is to have foundational truths that say it doesn't matter what that says, it doesn't matter what I'm hearing, it doesn't matter what I'm seeing, this truth is what I live my life by. Amen. Praise God. If you believe the speed limit is a suggestion, you will run into somebody that believes in absolute truth before long. Amen. I read, I read one story, I'm sure it was made up, but it says this police officer uh, kept stopping this guy that wouldn't stop at stop signs. He would just slow down and roll right through him and keep going. And so he pulled him over a couple of times and said, you, you didn't stop. He said, yeah, I did. He said, no, you did not stop. He said, yes, I did. I stopped and then I went on. He said, no, you did not stop. The third time he pulled him over. And he said, he said, you're still running the stop signs. He said, no, I'm not. I'm stopping. And the police officer grabbed him, drug him out the window, and started slapping him back and forth, saying, now, do you want me to stop like you do or like I want you to? <laughs> it doesn't matter how many people tell you there's no absolute truth. You will run square into absolute truth. You can't erase it. So the mind... In, in, uh, in Philippians 2 and 5, it says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. Amen. To be minded in a certain way. This implies moral interest or reflection, not mere unreasoning opinion. Don't you think about that? It implies moral interest and reflection, 
not mere unreasoning opinion. We don't live by opinion. Everybody has an opinion. That doesn't mean it's right. But everybody has one, and you have the right to voice your opinion. Matter of fact, we all need influence by other people. I've, I've always said this, and I've found it to be true. An opinion left to itself will always be wrong. Because you can't see everything. You don't understand everything. Amen. You don't understand everything. An opinion left to itself will always be wrong. I, I, I run into a, a guy, he was an atheist, and he was, he was touting socialism, that we need, a, need socialism in America. And I said, I said, man, it's never worked. It's never worked. I said, they got that from the Bible. In the book of Acts, communism and socialism comes from the Bible. That's where they got it. Reading the Bible, and it says, and they had all things common. That's where communism come from. But they forgot that it was directed by a holy God instead of a failed, greedy man. It worked for a while, and it was just for an appointed time. It was not... It was not to be a, it was never followed completely throughout history. It was just for an appointed time because of the persecution that was coming to Jerusalem and the things that were happening. They had, they, they compiled their resources and to start the church. The early church had nothing. And so they all compiled all their resources so that they could establish the church because it's being persecuted so bad. And so they, they, they brought, you know, sold their lands and stuff and brought it all. And they lived off of that as they established the church. And they helped outreaches. They helped missionary uh, uh, expansions. And, but it never was a way of life or meant to be a total way of life because after a while, you just simply run out of everything. Amen. Praise God. I saw, I saw a, a deal where, you know, uh, capitalism is, is uh, having a chicken that lays eggs and, and spread them out. Socialism is where you kill the chicken and split it up and give it to everybody. You now no longer have a chicken. I'm trying not to be political today, but listen, that's, I'm, this isn't political. This is moral understanding. This is just simple truth. Just simple fact. And today we're under an illusion. People are being, being given a strong delusion that is causing them, it's causing our young people not to know where they belong, what they are, what, should, what our life should be like. What should, I, what should I be as a man? What should I be as a woman? What, what, should I, what should our children be like? Should our children obey us or not? Should we discipline our children? All this stuff is so confusing to people, and it's causing a chaos that, that is beyond our understanding. Can't wrap my mind around it. Core values. Establishing core values. You know, here in this church, we establish core values, not our doctrinal statement. We have a doctrinal statement, but we also have core values. 
Our core values is love, honor, grace, and truth. That's what we run this church by. That's the atmosphere. Doctrinal statements do not develop atmosphere. Core values develop atmosphere. And the atmosphere we want in this body is love, honor, grace, and truth. And notice I put truth at the very end. The reason for that is because without love, honor, and grace, truth becomes a weapon to use against each other. Because everybody has their truth that they want to push on everybody else. But when we, when, we, when we put that under love, honor, and grace, then all of a sudden truth becomes life-giving instead of life-taking. It becomes life-giving. doesn't mean that we don't stand for truth. It means that we put a personality and a character to it. See what I'm talking about? See, core values core values. If we do something, if, if there's something happens, we, we have to go back and say, okay, we're going to deal with this, but we've got to deal with it with, the, with our core values, love, honor, grace, and truth. And so if we can't deal with it with love, honor, grace, and truth, then we're going we're gonna to be confused because we can't stick with our core values. You know, for years with, with our worship, I, I've, I've, I've promoted this for years. And, and we, I, I finally, I believe we have a worship team that has bought into these core values. My core values for worship is that we, we are as, as good as possible on our instruments. That we, are, we do our very best. We produce the best sound and music that we can possibly produce. We practice we work at it. We want, to, we want it to sound good. We don't want to have off notes. We don't want to have people singing out of tune. We don't want to have chaos up here. We want to do the very best job we can do and that be saturated with the power and presence of God. And, and the, we have a worship team now, I believe in my heart, that has bought into those core values. And I don't have to enforce that. Why? Because they own that. It's who they are. It's what they are. It's what they want. And so those core values direct the path and direct the atmosphere. Amen. Direct the atmosphere of our lives. If your atmosphere is bad, you need to check your values. Amen. Matter of fact, most people don't know that they even have core values. But all you have to do is check and see what happens in your life every day, and you'll find out what your values are. Amen. Everybody's talking about what people do to them, you know, what people do to them. Sometimes, sometimes when I'm looking on social media, I just, I just get this, this aggravation because people's always taking it, you know, they're always talking to these mythical people out there that's doing them wrong. You know, if I get that upset at somebody, I'm going to tell them. <laughs> I'm not going to put it out there, you know, with this open-ended frustration, you know. Somebody ought to do something, and, you know, they did me wrong, and I'm not going to, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like they're, they're Accusing all of society. 
when all they have to do is change their value system and all that stuff will go away. You know why? Because your value system will cause you not to be offended at people that don't agree with you or people say stuff to you. If your value system is such that, that everybody else controls your behavior, then you don't have a value system. Somebody else has a value system that you're feeding off of. Amen. If you find yourself angry at people all the time, you need to stop, look in the mirror, and say, why is it that everything controls you? Where is your core values? Amen. See, when you establish core values, then you, you, that's what you live off of. You establish biblical truths in your life. You know, I, I never even knew that I had core values when I was raising my kids, and I wish somebody would have taught on this when I was younger because I would have realized that I had core values and I would have, I would have, I would have been more vocal about it. I would have, it would have been a lot easier if I'd understood this thing, but I didn't understand it. But I had core values in my home. My home has core values. Number one, my home is to be a place of peace. Amen. We understood that. We didn't have frustration and anger and fighting in our home because it was to be a place of peace, an oasis for us to come to. And that takes work because there's always agitation and problems and, and things like that. You know, we, it, there's always this stuff going on. Number two, our, place, our house was be a, to be a place of respect. And I enforced that. I mean, I enforced that. <laughs> Didn't I, Austin? Our house was going to be a house of respect. My boys, not only were they not, they not allowed to talk back to their mom or sass their mom, they were not allowed to make faces at their mom. You understand what I'm talking about? When you discipline them, and they give you that, you know, hey, we weren't going to stop until the atmosphere changed. The beatings will continue until morale improves. I mean, come on. <laughs> and I was very strong on that. I didn't realize that was a core belief, a core value of mine, but I, it was. Respect was a core value. Sister Betty, was she was the queen of our house, and she was going to be treated like a queen. Amen. Come on, somebody. Talk to me. Don't get quiet on me. I'm gonna, I'll camp out here. <laughs> if I was the king of my home, she was the queen, and it was my job to make sure that she was a good queen and happy and that, that her life was good, even though she had to put up with the king. I put something on Facebook here while back said, pray for your pastor's wife. She has to put up with the pastor. <laughs> it's not always been easy. So there was core values. And those core values have stuck with us throughout our life. We were, our home was to be a home of love. We always loved each other. Our boys can tell you that they never saw us say ugly things to each other. 
They never heard us say things to each other that was, that was de uh, derogatory. Matter of fact, if we disagreed about something, we did it behind closed doors. We didn't do it in front of our kids. Now, some of y'all might not understand that. That might not be your core values, but that was my core value. That was our, well, that was Sister Betty's core value. She's the one, I'm mouthy. She's not. So that was her core value. I'm very opinionated, and I'll, and I'll say what I think, and, and she, she had to teach me how to, how to do that. But if, if we disagreed, which most of the time it was her disagreeing with what I was doing, we, we, we talked about it later. She never, ever confronted me in front of my children about a, a decision that I'd made. Why? Because respect. And then afterwards, when she had me by herself, she, she would say, that was not right. You was too harsh. You need to apologize. My first response was, that ain't going to happen. But she would say, you, would, you, you lost your temper. You got too angry. You need to apologize. And so I would pull myself together, and I would apologize. You know, most of the time I felt like doing it like this. Your mom thinks I was too rough on you. <laughs> I did that to a teacher one time. Me, me and a teacher got into it. I was in sixth grade. Man, we got into it. It was war. It was World War III and all this kind of stuff, and it got bad and 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 stuff. Until the teacher went to my mom, and she didn't. The teacher didn't tell my mom what she had done. She just told her what I'd done, and she said she said Tim uh, treated me bad, and you know and and you know he looked at me like he could kill me. That's what she said. And she doesn't under, understand that, that God was helping her at that moment. And she went to my mom, told my mom about it. That night, my mom come home. That was at a basketball game. That night, my mom come home, and she said, you're going to apologize to that teacher for the way that you treated her. I didn't, I didn't defend myself. I didn't share my side of the story. I never did that. I don't know why. I never, I never, I never told them the story. I just kept it to myself. Next school, next day I went to school, took a piece of paper. I wrote on the piece of paper, my mom said to apologize and left it on her desk. Thankfully, she decided to let it go. Let it go. Let it. Oh. See, core values are something you have to establish and it guides and directs your life. A truth. What is a truth? If you don't have a truth in your, in your life, if you don't have a truth established in your life, then confusion can come into your life and cause you to be mentally unstable. Mental instability is a lack of foundational truths and values in us. I realize there's some stuff out there that, that we don't always understand, but I also know this, that the most of it, the majority of it, is people that have been told that they don't have the ability to control themselves, when if you help that person learn how to do that, most of the time they can do it. But when you give them excuses, they're not going to do it. 
I've told you about the little girl I was hauling on a bus when we, for 15 years we, we, had, we hauled kids in here on buses, up to 300 kids on Wednesday night around here, and, and you know, all types of mayhem and madness and malfeasance and all kinds of stuff. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was something else. And, but we were reached out to these kids, and I picked this little girl up. I, I had to run as a pastor. I ran whatever bus driver didn't show up that night, I ran that route. And we had, we had up to six routes at one time. And, and so I was always running somebody's route on, on Wednesday night. And I ran this route, and this little girl got on the bus, and she was unruly. And I just ignored it because about everybody on there was unruly. And after church, I run out. I gathered all of them up to get, up, get all the kids on my bus that was supposed to be on my bus. And this little girl was just out of control. She was just, she was just having this tantrum. And she was mad and just having this tantrum and just out of control. And I went back there, and, and I, I told her, I said, you stop it now. You control yourself. I've, I've never been, I've always been a very authoritative person, so I address everything like that, you know? I'm autocratic. It, you know, I, when, if the words come out of my mouth, they're not coming back. And so I said, you, you control yourself and stop it now. She screamed back at me, I can't control myself. I said, who told you that? She said, my therapist. Little girl about this time. I mean, little, little girl. My therapist told me I can't control myself. I said, well, your therapist lied to you. And I said, you'll either control yourself or I'll call your mom and have her drive all the way up here and get you because on this bus, you will control yourself or you're going to lose your privilege. She said, my mom won't come and get me. I said, fine, I'll call the sheriff's department and we'll send you to juvie. I said, either way, you're either going to control yourself or you're getting off this bus if I have to call the sheriff's department and have you removed. Do you understand what I just said? She said, yes. I said, then sit down there and control yourself. <laughs> she sat down in that seat, folded her arm. She was mad. We got, I got back in the driver's seat, got ready to back out, and some kids started trying to pick at her because they knew she had just gotten in trouble. And some kids started trying to pick her at her, and they said, she said, leave me alone, I'm controlling myself. <laughs> All the way to her house, the whole route, dropping kids off, she controlled herself. It's because she was mad at me, but she did it. I gave her a greater reason. And she controlled herself. We got to her house, and she controlled herself, never got in a fight, didn't get an argument, didn't, didn't have any more outbursts all the way to the house. And when I got to her house, I pulled in, and she jumps up and comes stomping up the aisle. And I didn't open the door. She turned and looked at me because I didn't open the door. She turned and looked at me. I said, I'm proud of you. See, I said, you controlled yourself. Don't ever let anybody tell you you can't control yourself because you just controlled yourself all the way home. I said, you're better than what people are telling you are. 
and open the door and let her off. See, when we remove foundational truths, we remove values from people's lives, we become mentally unstable. In other words, the influence in our life is no longer established, so we are given to every impulse and every desire, and our minds run rampant. Our, our minds can't find anything to establish. Your brain has to have foundational truths in order to establish your emotions on. We're going to be talking about that in the weeks to come. But you have to have a place to park your emotions and reconcile your emotions. If you do not have foundational truths and, and value systems, then you simply will not be able to have a stable thinking pattern. It's going to run everywhere. I'm not going to get to all this today. It'll just, your mind will just run everywhere. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. He did not think it was robbery to be likened to God. He, he humbled himself, and yet he referred to himself as the Son of God. He knew who he was. If you know who you are, then you're not going to be confused. Amen. You're not going to be confused. You know what your values are. If you know what your values are, this is as far as I'm going to get today. I spent too much time. If you know what your values are, then you're not out there trying to figure out what you should do. You're guided by your values. And I realize this isn't taught today. Matter of fact, our educational system has done its best to remove absolute truths and values, especially in our colleges. Colleges have just abolished absolute truths and values. And so we got people that don't know how to control themselves. They don't know how to discipline themselves. They don't know how to apply themselves because they're not sure what they should do or what they should be. Amen. And they don't have a lot of good role models to go by, to look to. And when, when they see their parents losing control all the time, what are they going to do? They're going to lose control all the time. I really didn't plan on this being such a heavy message, but always, obviously we need it today. Amen. Instability comes from, from a lack. When you have instability, when you're insecure, those insecure feelings, they, they, you have insecurity because there's a void in that area. You don't have an absolute truth and you don't have a value system in that area. Therefore, you feel insecure about yourself or about things around you because you don't have a foundation to stand on in that area. Amen. If you're always worrying about what people think about you, it's because you don't know what you think about you. Oh, that was a good place to say amen. I mean, we need, we need to buy in here. Amen. If, if, if you're insecure, I, I hate insecurity. I hate fear. Literally hate fear. Fear to me is an enemy that is out to destroy us and keep us from things. Amen. Now, there's certain things I, I talk. I, I refer to it more as respect than fear. I respect electricity because I have been shocked so many times that I, I I glow in the dark. I respect it. It hurts. 
It can kill you. It stopped my heart one time. Thankfully, it started again. I know what electricity can do. I know how bad it hurts when you get hit. I have had my entire body, every muscle in my body hurting because it was in such spasms from being electrocuted that I couldn't hardly walk. I couldn't stand to move my eyes. The muscles in my eyes hurt so bad that I couldn't stand to move. My ears hurt to where I didn't want anything to touch my ears. Did you know you have muscles in your ears? It can hurt you. But I'm not afraid of electricity. I respect it. I still work with it every day. I respect it. But I can't stand to be afraid. I got up this morning, and I was just a little, little upset about our ride yesterday and, and that storm, and I couldn't figure out what, what, what is it that's bothering me about that. I mean, we've been in a lot of storms. We've rode through hurt, uh, tornadoes and all kinds of stuff. We've been in a lot of storms. And, and yesterday, when the, when the temperature changed so fast, I couldn't see. And all of a sudden, I couldn't see where I was going. And I struggled with it. We made it, but I struggled with it. And at bottom, I got up this morning, and I was just kind of just feeling upset about it. And I kept thinking, what am I feeling upset about? Why? And I've done this for years. Man, we, we went through all kinds of storms and tornadoes, and we, we went through wrecks, and we went through all kinds. Why am I upset? And then it dawned on me, it's because in that time, I felt insecure. It actually shook me to where, because I couldn't see where I was going, it shook me, and, and I couldn't, I was afraid we were going to go off the road or, or whatever, besides the wind was just was ferocious, and it was blowing us around, knocking us around, trying to hold the back up, trying to, you know, and everything, and most of the time, that's fun, but it wasn't, <laughs> and I finally realized today, I know why I'm feeling upset about it, because I felt a little bit of fear. And that always aggravates me. And so I, I reconciled that. See, I'm not upset about it anymore. I'm not mentally unstable about it anymore because I reconciled it. I understood what it was, and I reconciled it. If we can't reconcile our thoughts and understand what's going on with us, then we'll, we're going to be in unstable and incapable of having stability in our lives. Okay? Praise God. Amen. You know, I have got volumes on this to talk about, but I'm going to stop. <laughs> Sister Helen's eyes got about that big. It's like <laughs> volumes. It's like, it's like if you get up and preach 45 minutes on, on part one and then say, okay, and now part two. You know, everybody just goes, no. But we're going to have to stop on that today. But listen to me. Core values. I want, if, if you don't think of anything else when you leave this house today, I want, you to, I want you to begin to think about foundational truths and core values in your life. Because those will direct your path. Amen doesn't mean you can't learn and grow in your, in your foundational truths and your values. You, you should constantly grow and learn. But you've got to have a basis of foundational truth. 
And if you have a basis of foundational truth, it'll, it'll keep you going. 